Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. Yeah, baby, we're talking about beautiful feet. Everybody stand up. Stand up, give somebody a high five. Stand up, give somebody a high five. Let's get some energy in this place. Come on. Say hi to somebody. Smile at them. Even if you don't like them. Even if you don't. Stay standing. Stay standing. We're talking about beautiful feet. Everybody give me a little sound. Beautiful feet. Together, beautiful feet. Talking about beautiful feet. I ought to be able to hear that. Every time I say beautiful feet, I want you to go, beautiful feet. All right, if you're not doing it, you're not cool, just so you know. All right, sit down. We're talking about beautiful feet. Uh, That's what I'm talking about right there. We're we're, we're basically south of the Mason-Dixie line at this point, you know. What a revival happening up here in New England with the beautiful feet. Come on. You know, this verse comes from uh, Isaiah. In fact, I want you to read it with me here, if you don't mind. Isaiah 52, let's just read the first part. Isaiah 52, 7 says this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of the people who bring good news. Good news. You have to understand that back in those days, that's the way that news traveled. News traveled because people actually took the information and they went with it across these mountains and they would come into a village and they would say, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. In the case of Isaiah 52, 7, let me read the full verse to you. It says this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Beautiful feet. Oh man, let's pray. Let's seek God this morning. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. We give you all the honor and the glory. Use me, I pray, the words too. Make us move our beautiful feet to motivate us to share the good news we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sharing news has always been important to mankind. Has always been important to mankind. I mean, if you go back into history, obviously here, they're talking about beautiful feet, feet that actually are walking and walking and taking and delivering a message to somebody. You're from out of town. What can you tell me? I mean, using the United States as sort of an understanding of what giving information was back in the 1800s, there was this thing called the Pony Express. Everybody was kind of nuts about the Pony Express because it started in Missouri, St. Joseph, Missouri, and it actually went from St. Joseph, Missouri all the way to Sacramento, California, and it cut the time down by 10 days. Information passed quickly in 10 days. And the Pony Express was awesome for 18 months until the telegraph was invented. 
And then it was no more because the telegraph. And now, even nowadays, think about it right now. You're sitting there with your mobile device. And, and like, for example, right now, my friend right here, he just posted that he's eating pancakes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing the good news. <laughs> right? Nowadays, we have information that comes to us so quickly that actually... If we're half smart, at some point in time during the day, we shut the device off because we got too much information. You're sharing too much. I don't care if you're eating pancakes, friend, because I wasn't invited. But we're talking about sharing the good news. See, you have to understand, for those of you who are here for maybe the first time or don't understand all the terminology that we sometimes use in church, the good news actually reflects a very specific definition in church culture. The good news is also known as the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that there is hope for mankind. The gospel, in essence, in a very simplistic form is this. Man, when man and woman, humankind, when they are born, they are born lost and separated from God. But God, in the richness of his mercy, in the greatness of who he is, sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to pay for those sins so that we can have eternal life with him. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's beautiful feet sharing good news. Sharing, the, and that's what, we're, that, that's what we're trying to get into in our conversation here in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not, I hope you're reading the book of Acts. I hope you really understand the book, because the book of Acts really shares us some great things. Now, some of you might be thinking in your mind, man, I, I don't mind sharing the good news, but I don't know if I have the words or the thoughts or the concepts to really think about this, right? How to share the good news. Like, I don't know if I have it. So let me just, for the sake of funny, raise your hand if you graduated from seminary. Okay, I got one person in the back. So just so you know, it's your responsibility to share the good news with everybody. The rest of us are just sitting around here, all right, enjoying popcorn, right? You know, how many, how many of you have ever written a dissertation on harmartiology, soteriology, or pneumology? Some of you are probably saying, Nate, I don't even know what those words mean. It's the study of sin, the study of salvation, and the study of the Holy Spirit. The number one the number one excuse, and I'm calling it out, the number one excuse that you hear about why people don't share the gospel is because they just don't think they have the words to say. They don't have the education. They don't have the ability. Their words don't flow out of their mouth correctly. They don't know if they're saying something right or something wrong. They don't know how to share the good news. They feel intimidated to share the good news because at some point somebody might ask them a question that they don't think they can answer. At some point, somebody might say to them and they might look stupid. But actually... You don't need to go to seminary 
to share the good news. You don't need to go through years of biblical discipline, biblical study, and, and write dissertation papers on you know, harmartiology and soteriology and pneumology and ecclesiology, eschatology. You don't, need the, you don't need that. You don't need that. See, the good news requires just beautiful feet in a participatory engagement with what the Spirit's already doing. And that's what Acts teaches us. If you were to boil down Acts, the first four chapters, because we're going to talk about chapter four today. Let me just boil down Acts. And I hope you're reading the book because the book is riveting. But here's what happens in chapter one. In chapter one, Jesus basically says to the disciples, hey, see you later. Hasta mañana, right? He basically takes off. He says, it's important that I take off because the Spirit's going to come. So he takes off in chapter 1. Chapter 2, guess what happens? They're in the upper room, and the Spirit shows up. We've talked about this a couple Sundays ago. The, the tongues of fire, people start speaking in tongues. Next thing you know, the, Peter's up in front of this multitude of people. Just He's just sharing. And the crazy part about it is, he doesn't even know what he's saying. But, 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 but the, the, the unbelievable part is there's all these people from all these different nations gathered in Jerusalem. And each person recognizes that they're actually hearing the words from Peter's mouth in their own language. Like it's, it's an appearance of God that shows up. The spirit comes on so heavily that Peter's just talking. He doesn't realize that there's just a translation device that's happening. And in that moment, in that day, 3,000 people came to the Lord. Boom! It's like this wildfire. Because the spirit was moving and, and, and Peter just stood up and Peter was known for saying stupid stuff at times. All you have to do is go back in there and you can see he really wasn't that sharp. But he opened his mouth and God used him in the middle of the space. Chapter three, John, Peter, they're walking into the temple in Solomon's portico and they're walking and there's this guy who's lame. If you read the narrative, you understand this, that that guy is 40 years old. It says it to you in chapter four. He's 40 years old and he's been lame since birth. What does your CIA scientific mind tell you? It tells you that everybody knows who that cat is because for 40 years, he's probably been sitting there. Everybody knows him by name. That is his location. If you know anything about begging, real estate matters. And the people who have been there the longest own the most important real estate. So right when you're walking into the temple, there's a 40-year-old dude right there who cannot walk. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows he's there. Everybody, next thing you know, John and Peter come in, the guy, they engage. You heard this last Sunday. And, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you, stand up and walk. Next thing you know, a 40-year-old man stands up and walks. Just the day before, 3,000 people come to the Lord. Next thing you know, this guy, who everybody knows, stands up, is healed, and walks into the temple. It's like wildfire. Everybody's talking about it. It's the thing that comes out of this space. And what happens in religion, what happens when there's something religious that happens where all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's a spark, all of a sudden there's a conflagration, all of a sudden there's something that comes up. 
the religious authority needs to take notice. The religious authority says, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm educated. Well, let's, let's, let's see what the situation is. What's happening here? Peter, don't forget, was a fisherman. John, fisherman. These guys, not educated. But the education, the religiosity of that day comes in, and that's where we pick up our story in chapter 4. Let me read to you. We're just going to read the first 13 verses, but I'm going to read it to you one step at a time, laying out the story so that you can see what God is doing in this space and how he uses Peter and John in this amazing story at the beginning of Jesus' ascension. And John and Peter are going to have an amazing, an amazing opportunity to use their beautiful feet to proclaim a message of hope to the world. Look what he says in, in verse one. So this is right after, right after he healed the guy. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. This is the religious order. You have to understand that in those days, religion, religion and public, just public rule was dictated by the church. It was dictated by the, the religion of the space. Really, the police were controlled by the high priest. The police were controlled by the high priest. This is the way it was set up. Some of you nowadays think this is weird, but you have to understand that this comes directly from when, when actually the Israelites left Egypt. From that moment on, it was a theocracy that God was trying to establish. They built the temple. He came down. He was in the temple. And God was living amongst us and reigning amongst us. But the human, the human endeavor was the high priest. You may remember the presence was in the Holy of Holies. No man could go in there except for the high priest. Therefore, when the high priest came out, he was the guy dictating what God had said. So they come and they grab him. As they were speaking, the priest and the captain in the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse number two, greatly annoyed. Notice that word there. They were greatly annoyed. Why were they greatly annoyed? Because there's, there's this conflagration of life change that's happening. People are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People are getting healed. There's all this like fresh wind. There's this fresh fire. The Holy Spirit is present. Things are happening. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. We didn't say anything could happen. They're greatly annoyed by this because they were teaching the people the proclamation and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. I don't have time to go into this, but you have to understand that Old Testament prophets spoke of days when, when, when people will rise from the dead as an anointed period of time because of the Spirit's presence. So all these things are happening, and the people, listen, the people who are supposed to be in the know, the hierarchy of the church, the people who are supposed to be in the know don't know. They don't know. And they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't get the memo on this thing. 
Hang on, we gotta, we gotta vet this thing. We gotta figure out if this thing is actually true. They were proclaiming Jesus dead. Verse three, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day because their high priest is in charge of the police. They put him in custody until the next day for it was evening. All this is happening in a compressed time. There's all this excitement. There's all this thing. Next thing you know, 3,000 people are talking. People are getting healed. The, the, the religious orders is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's grab these people. Let's put them in custody. Let's, do a, let's bring together a formal council. Let's bring together a formal council and discern what's happening here. It's getting serious, friends. It's getting serious. I'm just imagining your mind if all of a sudden the police came in here and grabbed me and took me. Some of you might be going, finally. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> finally, somebody, right? But, but this is significant. Verse 3, they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed. So even as they arrest him, the good news that he was proclaiming, people came to the saving knowledge. They, they repented from their wayward ways and they came to the saving, saving knowledge and the number of men came to about 5,000. What's crazy about this, friends, is just a few moments before in chapter two, this is chapter four, in chapter two, there was 3,000. They almost doubled. This gives you kind of the sense of the magnitude of what's happening here. There's this ball of fire that is taking over humanity because the scales are falling off their eyes. The softness of their heart is ready to hear. It's ready to hear the good news from beautiful feet. Sharing the good news. But they're arrested. They brought the elders together. Verse 5. <clears throat> On the next day, the rulers and the elders... You guys understand the rulers, the people who are ruling, and then the older people who were considered wise were brought to this space. The rulers and the elders and the scribes, because we got to take notes, gathered together in Jerusalem. Verse 6. With Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, who all were of the high priest family. I don't have to go, I don't have time to go into all the names and who these people are, but I just want you to think of it this way. That right there is the Mount Rushmore. Those four is the Mount Rushmore of the high priest family in that time frame. That's who that is. They're bringing in the biggest, most educated guns. Let me just help you understand a little bit. Some of you have heard this and understand that in order for a person to enter into uh, any child, any male child had to memorize the Pentateuch by the age of 13. 
five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They had to memorize these books. Each young boy had to memorize it. Then they stood before a scribe, before the leadership in that day, and they would quote and show their ability to not just quote scripture, but understand the systemic nature of it and the holistic nature of what was happening in scripture. Why what they were quoting meant what it meant to them and to the nation. Through that vetting process of these young boys, the vast majority of the boys never made it beyond this process. The vast majority of those boys got pushed aside. They got pushed aside and they became carpenters. They became uh, plumbers. Well, they probably didn't have running water back then, but um, fishermen. They became, they became just workers, farmers, whatever the work was that had to be done. Butchers, right? And then this group of people went through another process of ultimately trying to become into the priesthood. And all this process and all this thing and ultimately the selection came all the way down to one person who was the high priest. What I'm getting at to you is this, is education started here. And at a very young age, they determined whether you were worthy to be invested in educationally or not. That's the whole thing I'm trying to make a point of is that. Is it by the age of 13, 14, right in that zone, the hierarchy was deciding whether you were worthy to contain any more education. But they brought the most educated people into the space. Verse six, and Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander and all who were with the high priest family. And when they had them in the midst, they inquired. So high priest had John, Peter. They inquired. Here's what they inquired. By what power or by what name did you do this? It's hard for me to express in any words that would be able to be understood by you the intensity of this moment. They're trying to catch them in heresy. Literally, the motivation of the high council was to stone these people. To kill them. Because they were disrupting life. They were, they were upending the order of the way things were established. Things were happening that were completely out of the control of the hierarchy. God was moving, more real, the spirit was moving in people's lives. People were coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ in, 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 in just the dozens, in the thousands, and people were being healed. There was this thing that was happening. And so they bring them together and they ask him a very poignant question. And I want you to soak that in for a minute. By what power or by what name did you do this? You have to understand, and you'll see this later on. We'll talk about this actually later in Acts, how there were people that were summoning spirits. Others, they were summoning other spirits to come and doing acts. They were not godly spirits, by the way. So the only way they had to vet this is by really going, who gave you this authority and by what power do you think you can do this? Here's Peter and here's John 
who at the moment of 13 years old got discarded and they became fishermen. They had no seminary education. They couldn't even spell harmartiology. They were not worthy to be invested in educationally. And they're being asked by the most educated people this one simple question. And at this moment, Peter and John give an answer. They share the good news. Listen to what he says. Verse 8. Then Peter, notice this next phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. That is an app. If you have a Bible and you right, underline that, that is a key, that is a key foundational uh, stone to this whole situation. Peter stood up, but he was filled with the Spirit, and he said to them, rulers of the people and elders, acknowledging respect, rulers and the peop of the people and elders, verse 9, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? First thing he's trying to do is making sure that they're talking about the same thing. Are you asking me specifically about the 40-year-old man that used to be for decades in Solomon's portico? You're asking me how that guy came to, to health, how he is walking around and praising God, how he's healing. Is that what you're asking me? The answer is yes. That is what I'm asking you. Verse 10, you ready? Let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, notice he says, of Nazareth. He didn't want, it, he didn't want anybody to be mistaken. I am talking about Jesus Christ who was born in Nazareth. They all knew who he was talking about. Whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. God raised from the dead. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the things that he's saying in that space were people's jaws were dropping. Their eyes were wide open. They're going, Jesus Christ, who you accused, you crucified, and who God raised from the dead. You have to remember that the people those people, the, the religious order who killed him, actually killed him, put him in a stone, put the stone over the wall, sealed it, and put guards over it. Jesus had already proclaimed to the people, kill me, and in three days I'm going up. They could not afford this guy coming back to life. But Peter is saying to him, I, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you killed, he was raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. Notice what it says, the builders. 
It was rejected by you. You rejected this stone. You're the builders. You are the one. Your succession line, actually, their success, the high priest's success line from that moment actually travels all the way back, all the hundreds of years. All the lineage goes all the way back to Moses and then Aaron, who was the first high priest. Their lineage went all the way back to this space. You were set in place to build up this nation, to build up this nation in Jesus Christ. And you took the cornerstone, the most important part of the building structure, you took that and crucified it. You killed him. You're the builders. You should have recognized the importance of this stone. Now, I mean, I can't, Peter letting this out, speaking as a fisherman to this educated group, unbelievable. The things that he's saying, clearly the Holy Spirit was in him and he is just sharing absolute, hammer down, cataclysmic truth. The Jesus is the stone that you rejected the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And here we are in verse 12. Let me break it down. And there is salvation in no one else. The good news. There is salvation in no one else. Jesus himself in John 14, 6, in John 14, 6, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man shall come unto the Father except by me. These are words that were still in the ether. These are still in the ether of that time frame. And here he's saying there is no salvation. In fact, the second part of the verse 12 says, there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Talk about the gospel. Salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. The Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are the words. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. But, but, you know, I mean, honestly, the difficulty we have is getting to the point where we're going to share this, right? Because we feel intimidated. We don't know how to get there. We don't know if we have the words. We don't have the education. We haven't been trained enough. We haven't been, we haven't been schooled in the ways of apologetics and all of these. That's not a requirement. In fact, I love the next verse because the next verse, <laughs> the next verse is verse 13. And this is now after he gives that amazing answer. Here is the hierarchy. They're going to give their reflection on that answer. This is, this now is, there's Peter, there's John. This is the elder council now going to give their reflection. Notice what they say in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
So right off the bat, they notice that there's a boldness here that's, that they're not used to. They're used to being in charge. They're used to having people cower away from them in fear because they are the religious order. They're used to people saying, whatever you say goes, um, I didn't mean to offend you, I'm sorry. No, 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 Peter and John, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is, is the man who you crucified, you the builders, you crucified him. He said, man, there's a boldness here. Where do you think that boldness comes from? Holy Spirit involved in the conversation. Notice the next part of the verse. And they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. <laughs> They're literally, the elder council's like, who are these twinky eating barbarians? Who are these twinky eating barbarians that dare to speak and use scripture to me? They're clearly uneducated. We don't know how they spoke. But it was identified to the educational society of that day that these people got rejected at age 13. I don't know how they spoke, but I kind of got a feel it's going to be kind of different. Right? Without making fun of anybody, I'm just saying, these guys said, these guys are idiots. These guys don't have education. They're like, these people are uneducated. They're common men. They're common. Common meaning there's a lot of them and they don't matter. But they were astonished. They were taken back. It gave them pause. Man, these people, are, they don't, like clearly they're uneducated. They're just common folk. But they're speaking with a, with a believability and a power that cannot be denied. And then notice what the last phrase of this verse says. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. We get so nervous talking. We get so nervous when somebody asks us about to share our belief. When we're at work, somebody says, hey, where were you Sunday? Uh, mowing my lawn. You know, you're thinking about it in the afternoon. People ask us questions. Why is it that you, why is it that you are what, why do you do what you do? Why do you make the decisions that you do? Why are you living in that manner? I don't know anybody who lives like you. You live in a bazaar. Those are all invitations for us to share the good news. But I, but, 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 but I just don't know if I'm going to have the words. I, I just don't know if I'm going to have the words to say it. Because I feel like I'm out there and I feel like it's like I'm about ready to be attacked. Yes. In fact, Look at what Jesus said to his disciples before he left in Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 16. Let me read it. 
Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent and doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over. Literally, that is what happened in Acts 4. They will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the synagogues. And you will be dragged before the governors and kings for my sake. Literally, Jesus is being prophetic in this moment for what happened in Acts chapter 4. You will be delivered and dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. To bear witness, to bear witness. Beautiful feet, sharing the good news. But, but, I, but I just don't know if I have the words. I don't have the education. I don't have the formalization. I don't even know how to say it. Look what it says in verse 19. Ready? When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father who is speaking through you. Let me just share something that might not be something you want to hear. You don't have what it takes. You're not smart enough. No, no, I'm, I'm like, you're, you don't have it. I'm looking at you and I know you don't have it. Okay, you can't do it. You're not smart enough. You don't have the words. You are uncouth, ignorant, stupid sheep that we're sending out to the wolves, if I use Jesus' words. That's such a relief, isn't it? To realize that you don't have it. What you do have is What you do have is beautiful feet that have been given to you to share the good news. No matter where you are, it's crazy. Feet can take you anywhere. To the mailbox, to the grocery store, to the mechanic, to the coffee shop, right? Main Street, it can take you to your neighbor's house. Imagine that. It can take you anywhere. And you just need to be present. In fact, I would say it this way. If I were to give you something here as I finish, I would say it this way. I love the way it says it on the end of verse 13 there. Verse 13, he basically says, they were astonished because these people were clearly uneducated, twinkie-eating barbarians that had no clue what they were saying. But they realized they had been with Jesus. I think that's what I would give to you to walk away from. Spend time every day with Jesus. Spend every day some time with Jesus. And don't worry, it's going to come out. You cannot spend time with Jesus on a continual daily 
enterprise. You can't do that and not share. Because this word of God is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The words will come out. The spirit will give you that which you need in that moment. You don't have to organize it or lay it out. You just need to you spend time with Jesus. And I end with this. I wish I could introduce you to my grandfather who has passed away. <clears throat> he was uneducated, never graduated from high school. But he came to know the Lord in his 20s. And this guy, if, <laughs> if you didn't know Jesus and you didn't want to know by Jesus, you should not come within his radar. Because this guy just bubbled. Not because he knew Jack, but because he knew Jesus. And he just spent time with him and he just sweat it, boil out. My encouragement to you is this. You don't need to be educated to do it. You have two beautiful feet. Spend time with Jesus and watch how God will use you in amazing ways. I pray blessing on you. I pray that you would go out these doors and share the good news because you have beautiful feet. Thank you so much. If you want somebody to pray with you after the service, we will have some people up here for you, but I dismiss you. Thank you. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.